Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for tuning in again. And if this is your first episode, welcome. Thank you for joining us. If you've been with us for all 35 other episodes, I'm glad that you're back for another one. And today we're going to have some fun. We're going to talk to Dave Delaney. Now, I met Dave not quite a year ago when I was a guest on his podcast, which is the new business networking radio. And you can find his podcast at NBN which stands for New Business Networking, nbnradio.com. And I had a great time on his show. And, you know, sometimes when you have a conversation with people for, you know, just 30 minutes, even when you're being interviewed for a podcast, you sort of figure out that you have a little bit of a simbatico and you kind of feel like maybe we became friends. It's, It's like sitting down, having a cup of coffee or a meal or a beer with somebody. And so Dave and I kept in touch. And I recently was giving a speech in Nashville, Tennessee, which is where Dave lives. And we met for breakfast and it really was like sitting down with an old friend. And so I knew right away that I had to turn around and have him as a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So Dave is a digital marketing consultant. He hosts the podcast New Business Networking Radio, and he is also also the author of a book called New Business Networking. And I am really glad that he decided to jump on here with us today for a short little chat. Dave, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great intro, by the way. (laughs) One of the one of the best the uh, best feedback I've heard uh, was from you from doing my podcast where you said it felt like sitting down and having a beer, which I, I just loved. <laughs> yeah, that, that was absolutely true. It was very much that way. And so I gave everybody kind of a little brief overview. Why don't you tell us what you do as a digital marketing consultant? Right, sure. Yeah. So I specialize in helping companies, usually small to medium sized businesses, understand how to market themselves online. And a lot of that includes social media. That's a big thing. And that's what one of the things I'm most recognized for is my work in social. Um, You know, I come from, I've been online since 84, (laughs) my old BBS days on my Commodore 64, and been marketing for a long, long time now. So um, yeah, so I help, I help people understand the space better. And then I audit what they're doing currently and I develop a strategy for them and then I walk them through. So partly consultant, but partly coach as well. So I actually graduated high school in 1984 and we actually called people back then who had a Commodore 64 and were experimenting with what eventually became online. We called them nerds, Dave. Is that who you were? Uh, I prefer geek, but nerd works too. <laughs> sure. Um, I, I don't think I have enough cred to be a nerd, like, like, or, or even to be like a hardcore geek, like develop developers are geeky, but like geek geeks are my heroes, you know? <laughs> so, so I'm not that smart. I wish I was that I could be like a really good developer, but I knew enough to get myself into trouble on my mom's phone line at the wee hours of the night back then. So I have a friend who we were friends like when we were in like middle school and, and elementary school, and he was really into computers. And I can remember he had computers that actually stored the information on like cassette tape. So if you needed to get information, you had to like zoom all the way through the cassette <laughs> That was my tape. first computer. It's a TRS-80 yep. by Tandy. Yep, it was uh, a Tandy. Yeah, yeah. That was actually, and that was when I was a good developer or a good coder or whatever you want to say, because I actually, um, yeah, I'm going to add additional geek cred here. And, and maybe you will be like, yeah, you're a full-fledged nerd. It's cool. Um, but I, I used to play Dungeons and Dragons when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, you're and a nerd. And so you're a nerd. I, I created a... <laughs> you're selling yourself cre- short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
No, but the problem with Dungeons and Dragons, as anyone knows if they played it, is that when your character died, it was a pain in the butt to have to create another one because it took forever to you know throw the dice to to you know build your character, build all the different traits and characteristics and all that jazz. So I created a little random number generator on my um, program, and all you had to do was enter your name, your character's name on the Commodore 64, or sorry, on the TRS-80, and then just press enter or return or whatever, and it would print out this strip of paper. I had like a little POS printer, and it would strip a piece, uh, print a strip of paper that had the character all out with all the random numbers generated, and so your character was ready to go with like one button. So my, my friend, I mean, we couldn't have been 10 or 12 years old, and he was showing me how the computer worked, and, and my interest level was about zero. I wanted to go watch Batman or something. And, right. <laughs> you know, he was showing me how the cassette tape, and you could store all this information. And, you know, I remember watching that and, like, kind of rolling my eyes. And then we didn't really keep in touch at high school and college and beyond. And he's now the co-founder of one of, like, you know, like a $400 million continuously growing tech company in San Jose, California. And he won the Entrepreneur of the Year Award for, you know, the, the Silicon Valley a few years back. And wow. so I... Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for tuning in again. And if this is your first episode, welcome. Thank you for joining us. If you've been with us for all 35 other episodes, I'm glad that you're back for another one. And today we're going to have some fun. We're going to talk to Dave Delaney. Now, I met Dave not quite a year ago when I was a guest on his podcast, which is the new business networking radio. And you can find his podcast at NBN which stands for New Business Networking, nbnradio.com. And I had a great time on his show. And, you know, sometimes when you have a conversation with people for, you know, just 30 minutes, even when you're being interviewed for a podcast, you sort of figure out that you have a little bit of a simbatico and you kind of feel like maybe we became friends. It's, it's like sitting down, having a cup of coffee or a meal or a beer with somebody. And so Dave and I kept in touch. And I recently was giving a speech in Nashville, Tennessee, which is where Dave lives. And we met for breakfast and it really was like sitting Sitting down with an old friend. And so I knew right away that I had to turn around and have him as a guest here on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So Dave is a digital marketing consultant. He hosts the podcast New Business Networking Radio. And he is also, also the author of a book called New Business Networking. And I am really glad that he decided to jump on here with us today for a short little chat. Dave, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Great intro, by the way. <laughs> one of the one of the best feed, the uh, best feedback I've heard. Uh, was from you from doing my podcast where you said it felt like sitting down and having a beer, which I, I just loved. No, yeah, that, that was absolutely true. It was very much that way. And so I gave everybody kind of a little brief overview. Why don't you tell us what you do as a digital marketing consultant? Right, sure. Yeah. So I specialize in helping companies, usually small to medium sized businesses, understand how to market themselves online. And a lot of that includes social media. That's a big thing. And that's what one of the things I'm most recognized for is my work in social. Um, you know, I come from, I've been online since 84, <laughs> my old BBS days on my Commodore 64, and been marketing for a long, long time now. So, um, yeah, so I help, I help people understand the space better. And then I audit what they're doing currently and I develop a strategy for them. And then I walk them through. So partly consultant, but partly coach as well. 
So I actually graduated high school in 1984, and we actually called people back then who had a Commodore 64 and were experimenting with what eventually became online. We called them nerds, Dave. Is that who you were? Uh, I prefer geek, but nerd works too. <laughs> sure. Um, I, I don't think I have enough cred to be a nerd, like, like, or, or even to be like a hardcore geek, like develop developers are geeky, but like geek geeks are my heroes, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm not that smart. I wish I was that I could be like a really good developer, but I knew enough to get myself into trouble on my mom's phone line at the wee hours of the night back then. So I have a friend who we were friends like when we were in like middle school and, and elementary school and he was really into computers. And I can remember he had computers that actually stored the information on like cassette tape. So if you needed to get information, you had to like zoom all the way through the cassette tape. <laughs> that was my tape. first computer. It's a TRS-80 yep. by Tandy. Yep, it was uh, a Tandy. Yeah, yeah. That was actually – and that was when I was a good developer or a good coder or whatever you want to say because – I actually, um, yeah, I'm going to add additional geek cred here. And, and maybe you will be like, yeah, you're a full-fledged nerd. It's cool. Um, but I, I used to play Dungeons & Dragons when I was a kid. Oh, yeah, you're and a so nerd. And so I, I created a... <laughs> you're selling yourself cre- short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but the problem with Dungeons & Dragons, as anyone knows if they played it, is that when your character died, it was a pain in the butt to have to create another one because it took forever to you know throw the dice to to you know build your character, build all the different traits and characteristics and all that jazz. So I created a little random number generator on my um, program, and all you had to do was enter your name, your character's name, on the Commodore 64, or sorry, on the TRS-80, and then just press enter or return or whatever, and it would print out this strip of paper, I had like a little POS printer and it would strip a piece, uh, print a strip of p- paper that had the character all out with all the random numbers generated. And so your character was ready to go with like one button. So my, my friend, I mean, we couldn't have been 10 or 12 years old and he was showing me how the computer worked and, and my interest level was about zero. I wanted to go watch Batman or something. And, right. <laughs> you know, he was showing me how the cassette tape and you could store all this information. And, you know, I remember watching that and like kind of rolling my eyes. And then we didn't really keep in touch at high school and college and beyond. And he's now the co-founder of one of like, you know, like a $400 million continuously growing tech company in San Jose, California. And he won the Entrepreneur of the Year Award for, you know, the, the Silicon Valley a few years back. And wow. so I, I chuckle. It's, you know, I, I think, oh, I should have hung out and uh, hung out with him a little more and listened to uh, his description of his Tandy because clearly he was on the right track for some things back then. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people kicking themselves for not uh, butting up with uh, a lot of developers and uh, tech <laughs> entrepreneurs these days. Well, and I mean, this was back in the 70s and the 80s. And, and uh, we are friends on, on Facebook, and I do talk to him every now and then. And last time I was in the Valley, I went and had a cup of coffee with him. And he did agree recently that he would be a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So I'm glad we're talking about him because I'm going to reach out and get him scheduled to be on the show. Very cool. So anyway, so this is what you do now. How long have you been doing the consulting stuff? Um, on and off uh, for, well, as a full-time job, about three years. I, I went out on my own uh, three years ago, which is, you know, so I still consider myself new to this space, you know, to the entrepreneurship space. I mean, I've done a lot of um, things in my community, specifically in Nashville, that, you know, co-fo- co-founding a, a couple different tech conferences in town and, and um, some other like monthly social hours kind of networking events, but never anything with a price tag. Everything's always been free for people to attend. <laughs> um, my old podcasts, experiments uh, in different shows were always free. And, and so it was always my, I've always been interested in technology and, and promoting that stuff, but never with a price tag to the end. So it's been an interesting change for me 
in the last three years of going out on my own and uh, and now saying, oh, by the way, I'm going to have to charge you for that. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so what does my family have to eat? Oh, uh, yeah, you know the kids are funny that way. My kids always want like food and clothes and entertainment so pesky, too, aren't they? They are. They just you know <laughs> they keep demanding. It's crazy. So what yes. were what were you doing when you worked in corporate America? Sure, um, I ran digital marketing. Well, I ran social media marketing for Griffin Technology for three and a half years, and that that's one of the largest uh, consumer electronic accessory companies. So if you own an an Apple product like an iPhone or an iPad, you probably have a Griffin case or an FM transmitter in the early days in your iPod from Griffin. Um, So I ran social media for them for three and a half years and did a lot more in addition to that email marketing and affiliate marketing and events and things like that too. So So, what led you then to going off on your own and becoming an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I have a, a lot of friends uh, in the sort of tech marketing, online marketing space who um, have been out on their own for many years. Um, some, you know, forever. <laughs> you know, their first job was their own company kind of thing. Um, and so they've always been, you know, people who have inspired me a lot. And um, I got to the point where I was sort of exhausted at Griffin. And um, yeah, it was just time for me to move on to something new. And, you know, after talking to my wife about it, it felt like the right time to go out. You know, a lot of people were seeking help with social media. And it's something that I have an expertise in um, that not everybody, not a lot of people do. So um, so I decided, you know what, I'm going to bite the bullet and and try. And as soon as I announced it on my blog, it, you know, it blew up and blew, blowing up in a good way. Uh, <laughs> I had tons of comments and emails and straight away had clients. And I haven't had I've had a couple lulls, as you do in uh, when you run your own business, but um, everything has been word of mouth. And so it's it's been good. It's been great, actually. Well, you know, you mentioned that you've been doing it for three years and that you still feel like you're brand new. I've been working for yeah. myself coming up on six years in April, mm-hmm. and I still feel like I'm probably four or five years away from really feeling like I, you know, have, you know, this thing saddled. So I think it's, I think it's true that it does my, my last guest who was on the last episode of the podcast, uh, Michelle Perry Higgins, she said it takes 10 years before, you know, you really start to feel confident that you've got this thing mastered. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't know how old she is. Um, and I, I'm not asking, but <laughs> you know, in my, in my age, I'm sure in your sorry, age area too, you know, I don't have 10 years. (laughs) I've got to get like, that's why I'm moving full steam ahead this year and have been working really hard. Um, but it's interesting. I mean, I do, I don't have regrets necessarily in my own career. I've learned a lot in the different businesses. I worked in media and and broadcasting and television and newspaper and promotions and, and theater even, um, in my career. And so I don't have, um, regrets for the businesses that I worked for and all that good stuff. But at the same time, I kick myself a little bit for not um, testing the entrepreneurship waters uh, sooner than uh, than I did. But, you know, as I said, I mean, you know, the, the future is bright, so I can't complain. Well, Dave, I was interviewed on someone's podcast recently, and they asked me that question of, you know, do you have any regrets? And I said, the only one I have is that I didn't start earlier because, you know, I was in my right. 40s before I, I sort of took the leap or, you know, was sort of pushed out because of a layoff. But I wish that at, you know, 27, 28 years old, I had said, you know, there's a way to do this and just figured it out because people do it. They figure it out and I'm certainly figured it out or I'm figuring it out now. So I agree that, you know, I wish I could have started it earlier, but you know, I am who I am and and I sit where I am. I can't go backwards. So all I can do is, you know, plow forward. But the thing too, is you've learned so much that you can bring to your clients in your own career 
you know what I mean? From, from having that security of working for a company and depending on the company, as opposed to just yourself to do everything, you have that knowledge that you can bring to your clients that I think a lot of maybe younger entrepreneurs who are out on their own, like you, you see it a lot where, you know, these like young kids are, are creating their own companies like in college before they even leave college. And while that's great, and I totally applaud that, and I think it's it's awesome. At the same time, man, you, you have to work at a restaurant at some, or a bar at some point in your career to learn about people. <laughs> you know, I, I learned so much early on in my career working in customer service that that has helped me. It helps me every day. No, that's the, and you're right. All the everything that I did in sort of my eclectic career led mm-hmm. me to what I'm doing today. And I probably wouldn't have the, the credibility to talk about what I talk about today if I hadn't done those things. Yeah, exactly. So what do you absolutely love now that you've been doing this for three years? What do you love about it? What do you love about working for yourself? I love the freedom. I love the ability. I've got two young kids. Um, you know, my kids are uh, seven and eight. And I absolutely love the, the ability to carpool with neighbors, um, <laughs> you know, to, to spend time with them. Um, even today they're, you know, they're home from school. So, and I can see them playing in the backyard right now. Cause I also work from home. Um, so it's a wonderful, it's just, it's a great, great way for me to be able to spend more time with my family. It's something my own father neglected, um, in the way that he traveled a lot, a lot. And, and I don't, you know, I don't have regrets for that, but at the same time, I didn't get to spend as much time with him. And so for me, what's, I would rather make less money and spend more time with my family than to make a ton of money working for a big company and be, you know, and never be home. So is there anything you don't like about it? Do you ever wake up some mornings and think, Hey, I'm going to go apply for a job again. (laughs) I hate having to get my kids up in the morning. Oh God. No. Um, (laughs) um, let me think. I, the, I think the thing that I, that I miss the most is being around other people. Um, apart from my kids, of course, uh, I do miss the interactions. I've always thrived in open offices. I remember one company that I worked for where I had my own office, uh, like with the door and everything. And I hated it because I was all by myself in this office. Um, you know, so I love like an open concept, uh, space and, and being around other people. And so it's unfortunate, it's not unfortunate, but it's just the, the situation is that I, I, you know, because I work from home and I work for myself, you know, I'm, I'm by myself for the most part. So, I mean, that's where social media is really handy because you can jump on a Twitter any time of the day and pop in and say hello or jump on a Skype call quickly or, or, uh, meet someone for coffee and, and things like that. And there's a lot of great co-working spaces in Nashville now too. So I was just going to ask if you thought about a co a co-location site. Yeah, I've thought about it. Um, the, my two main issues with it are it, it's like spending money on some on just the 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 need to connect with other people. It's it's not that they're that expensive, um, but I also live a little outside of Nashville, and so it's the commute and the cost. It's, it's like I'm going to get stuck in rush hour traffic going to a co working space <laughs> when one of the best parts of working for myself and working from home is I don't have to deal with rush hour traffic, and I can get up, you know early and work from home. So, um, so for those two reasons, really like just the, not even the cost so much, but just the, the, the travel time to go somewhere, you know, if it's, if I'm traveling 40 minutes there and 40 minutes back or 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back, that's time I could be at my desk working. 
Yeah, I did. I did that for a while. I, I had a co-location spot. I just had sort of the drop-in package, so it wasn't really expensive at all. Right. And the place wasn't oversubscribed, so I always was able to drop in because there was, mm-hmm. you know, I'd use up my days, but then it was always like, if there's a desk, you're welcome to. And I was going in three and four days a week, and it was sort of on the other side of town, but it was sort of on the side of town where my daughter's high school was, so I could drive ah. to the school, and then I could go. But what I found was... It became a chore if I wasn't driving her to school. It became a chore to get over there, so I was going less and less. So I do, I do dream about going back to a co-location type situation, but I really want it to be like at the end of my cul-de-sac. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so if Definitely. So, if someone's listening to this and they're working for a company and then they kind of have that that same desire that you had there, maybe they're blogging, maybe they have a podcast, maybe they're doing all the things that you were doing on the side, you know, to sort of have that entrepreneurial feel and they want to take the leap, what advice would you give them? I would say, you know, if if it's something that's not a conflict of interest, maybe test the waters and do a little bit on the side. Um, like in the evenings, on the weekends, early in the mornings, um, you know, try to start doing a little bit of work on the side and see um, for for two reasons. One, I mean, you're testing the waters to see if the idea will work and if you, you know, you can get business from it. So that's one. And then the other reason is because in order to run a second small business while you're working for a, a you know, full time job, that's a lot of extra hours of working. Um, which you need to get used to because if you're working for yourself, you're going to be working extra hours. I said, you know, it's a pleasure being home, but at the same time, you know, I do have a computer in front of me a lot of the time, <laughs> you know, or I'm up very, very, like I get up most days at four or four thirty to start working before I have to get my kids up. So working extra long hours and working, um, you know, doing that, I think it would be a good way to, to test the waters. And, and then the other thing too, is try to have, a good amount of money saved up um, so you can handle maybe a bit of a lull as you as you launch um, financially, I mean, so that you have some security because, you know, there's a lot of people out there talking about, you know, going out there and, uh, you know, entrepreneurship, rah, rah, and go start a company and all this stuff. But at the same time, when you have a family um, to feed, especially if you have a family to feed and bills to pay, um, which we all do, then, you know, you have a certain responsibility with that as well. So I'm not talking to people... You know, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying, you know, test the waters and then uh, do it. But make sure you have a bit of a security blanket in place. Yeah. My, the guest on the last episode, again, M- Michelle Perry Higgins, she mm-hmm. is a financial planner. And her, yeah. her advice was have a year's worth of money liquid that you can, you know, tap into because it's going to take you a couple of years to get your yeah. income back up. So I think that's I think that's really good advice. Thanks. So, uh, you know, you have this podcast, you know, yes, new business networking radio. And you've been doing it since last March. That's right. And I will tell you, since I started Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do, the thing I have discovered is that my podcast is the best networking tool I have ever found in my whole career. And so, you know, you speak about networking. You've put on a whole bunch of networking events in your community. And the title of your podcast has networking in the title. So Mm -hmm. what have you found from your podcast? And am I right or am I wrong that it's the best networking tool ever? Oh, it's an amazing networking tool. Absolutely. Um, yes, I, I, well, first of all, I mean, I absolutely love podcasting to begin with. I'm very passionate about the medium. I studied radio broadcasting originally before going into business and marketing. And so I've always, you know, been interested in, you know, audio and that kind of thing. Not that I'm an audiophile, not the quality is not always a hundred percent of my show, but I try. Um, 
But yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I wrote it in a chapter in my book, actually, uh, New Business Networking, about the the advantages of doing a podcasting and sort of how to do a podcast. Um, I use uh, Mitch Joel, who runs a podcast called Six Pixels of Separation. He's been doing it for, gosh, I, I would say about nine years now, um, eight or nine years, maybe. He was doing and, a podcast before we could even listen to them. Yeah, he's been, yeah, he's been podcasting for a long, long time. Um, Mitch and I go way back because, um, my first podcast was in 2005 and it was called two boobs and a baby <laughs> and it was a, a, a parenting podcast. Um, not, you know, um, my wife and I being the boobs, uh, trying to figure out how to become, how, you know, how to be parents. And so it was a 30 minute sort of ramble cast as it were, or a couple's did, cast. Did, did you ever figure it out? Because my oldest is about to turn 18 and I don't think I figured it out yet. <laughs> having a clue. <laughs> no clue at all. We're still boobs for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah, we did that show for three years and it was a lot of fun. Um, and back then, and I talk about this actually in the book about, about networking, not just from the podcast itself and meeting people on the podcast, which you're talking about and, and which is absolutely key. But the other thing too, is there's such a great podcast community and, um, there was a wonderful community in uh, Toronto and in Ontario and in Canada, for that matter, um, back then and still is. And so I went to a conference and I met Mitch Joel there called Podcasters Across Borders. And we became we became friends way back then, uh, uh, you know, when we were talking about podcasting all the time. I, You know, if you listen to like really early, like 2006, maybe episodes of Six Pixels, you'll see like there's comments from me as Dave, the host of Two Boobs and a Baby um, <laughs> way back then. So, um but yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, I did another podcast and, you know, I talked to Seth Godin and like Seth Godin, even though he's, he's a saint, he's amazing with replying to email, but the chances of you calling Seth Godin and saying, Hey, or emailing him and saying, Hey, can I talk to you for 30 minutes? <laughs> mm, probably not going to work. But if you say, Hey, I've got a podcast and I would love to you know interview you, then, you know, the likeliness is a lot higher. So yes, to answer your question in a long way, definitely <laughs> well, an amazing networking tool. So I have found both from the standpoint, like you said, if, if you reach out to somebody and say, would, would you be a guest? I mean, I've got Dave Delaney on the show right now. I mean, come on. But, there you go. You, know, you can get anybody yeah. on the show if you can get Dave. But, exactly. But, exactly. I'm the most sought after person in the world. I think so. And I, and I, and <laughs> Me I, and Richard Branson. That, it's, that's it's, right. Well, I, I mix you guys up all the time. So it's, I get, yeah. it's all the pro yeah. private islands you own and things like that. It's very right, confusing. Right. <laughs> but, but in addition, you know, everybody I ask, hey, would you be on the show? I mean, when we were having breakfast, I said, I want to have you on the show. You were like, sure, mm. absolutely. Let's just pick a time. I've found that it really doesn't matter who somebody is. The response has been yes with one exception. And I asked one person and he kind of hemmed and hawed and I'm cool about it. It's like, you know, you don't have to be on my show. And then he called me back and said, I'm really sorry. He goes, but you were standing there. And he goes, I, my boss was there and I'm, I'm quitting my job in oh. a week and I'm going to have a startup and it's going to be stealth until March. And he mm. goes, but after I launch the startup, you can call and I'll be on your show. And I was like, so the one person who said no actually said, yes, it just had to be no until his life got resettled. So I thought, wow, this, that's really a hundred percent. Yes. Well, and that, yeah. And that's the, the other thing too, with, with podcasts, and I'm sure you've seen this in your own numbers that oftentimes, I mean, when you interview, um, that Richard Branson or whoever, um, the, oftentimes it's, it's the, it's the people that are less known that often get a bigger download number or big, more listeners because, you know, they have a story that hasn't been heard before where when you interview, you know, with all due respect to people like Seth Godin and things, I mean, you know, they have, especially when they're, they're, you know, promoting 
a certain book, a lot they have a lot of talking points that they say the same on a lot of different shows. And so when you talk to somebody who doesn't get as much airplay, it, it's quite incredible. And, and I've found that firsthand. Um, one of my favorite interviews on my show is um, me, me, you, definitely yeah. you. Yes, yes. Besides <laughs> you, uh, <laughs> uh, there's a woman named Ronnie Bennett who I interviewed, who I saw speak at a conference many years ago. And she's in her 70s now, and she's an, a self-proclaimed uh, elder blogger. And she runs a blog of for elders who blog and who want to contribute and learn, and they just explore um, age. And it's a fascinating interview, and she's hilarious too. Um, and she did some really early stuff, which is amazing. Like she launched CBSnews.com. Wow. Like that was her baby. And uh, she was the first person to take text and images and connect them um, in news, like in online news. It was just it was just them and CNN back. Uh, I think it was 94. They were the only online news <laughs> or at least U.S. online news sites and they were just texts. And so she came up with the idea of adding an image to each text story and uh, just amazing. So it's amazing. Yeah, you get to talk to some really interesting people for sure and open a lot of doors too. Well, and your point about like the non-famous people, you know, you tend to get more downloads. I think part of it is the fact, like you said, people have heard from all those people who are famous before the right. other thing is, you know, I got some advice early on of, oh, you want to have all these A-listers on your show because mm. they're going to tweet about it and they're going to tell their network about it. And you're going to all these people are going to find you. And what I found was, with all due respect, everybody kind of the opposite. Well, they were mm. all very nice and they sent out a tweet. We all know the life of a tweet is like nine seconds. Mm -hmm. And it's the people who aren't gurus, who aren't famous, who would tweet it, you know, two or three times a day for three or four, six days that led huge amounts of traffic to my yes. podcast versus, you know, the the one guy who would do it one time. And even though he has a bazillion people, if those people weren't logged on, then they never saw it or whatever. So, you know, I, I've found some of the best compliments I've gotten from, you know, both my friends who listen to the show, and I'm still surprised so many of my friends listen to the show. If you If you know me socially and you're listening right now, thank you. Hello. I appreciate you. Mm -hmm. um, because people will tell me, but also what, but listeners I've never met before will tell me when they email is what they like about the show is that I'm interviewing regular people who are out there doing regular things. It's not somebody right. who, Hey, he made a million dollars in 45 seconds. You know, that's a great story, but most of us can't go do that. One of my friends said, if you imagine a ladder, I can learn from the people who are one, two, and three steps up the ladder from me. I can't learn from somebody necessarily in what they do day to day who's 500 steps up the ladder. You know, it looks great, and it's a great story that, you know, every time they tweet, they make $400,000, but that's not what's going to happen tomorrow. And in order for me to grow my business, I need to find something I can do tomorrow. And so that's one of the, the positives I've gotten about the show is that I am interviewing regular people who are out there fighting the good fight. Yeah, absolutely. There's lots to learn for sure. So one of the things I like to ask everyone who comes on the show is we could talk about Dave Delaney and New Business Networking Radio and, and your book and your consulting. We could talk about you all day long. But I think the best entrepreneurs are observers. They're watching what other people are doing, either as a group or maybe some specific individual. So what do you see out there where you say that person or, or that class of people, they're just killing it? Yeah, that's a good, that's a great question. I mean, I think I really have my eye on podcasting right now as a, as a medium. Um, and so there's a lot of interesting stories taking place around podcasting. Um, I, I encourage your listeners to check out a podcast called startup. Um, oh, it's, if they it's great. It's fantastic. Yeah. 
It's fantastic. Yeah. And the name actually, in a way is, uh, you know, I recommended it to people and they're sort of rolled their eyes, like startup, come on. Like it's a bit of a cliche term these days in a way. I mean, even though it, it totally, you know, goes hand in hand with entrepreneurship. Um, but it is an amazing show because it actually walks, it shares the story of somebody creating his own podcast network. I'm leaving a great cushy job with, you know, public radio to create his own podcasting network. And so it's like intimate conversations recorded with him and his wife saying, what am I doing? Oh my God, this is the worst mistake ever. Or, or we're in so much debt and things. And he's got a, a kid or, or two kids now too, and to feed. Um, and so it's really an interesting, and then he's meeting with like Silicon Valley, well-known investors and VCs and going up and asking them for, you know, advice. And so these well-known VCs are, are, you know, listening to his pitch and, and, uh, you know, it's just a really interesting story. So, um, and and he's really self-deprecating and sort of opens the kimono because some like really famous business advisor will basically say your idea sucks Mm -hmm. and he'll share that with the whole audience. And then later on in the show, he'll go meet with somebody else who thinks it's great and will invest. And then he'll kind of open up and talk about the fact that, you know, what one person thinks it's horrible. Another person gives you, you know, $50,000, What's the difference? And he'll sort of, you know, delve into the personalities and what people do and how they invest. I actually find it, you know, it's it's as if somebody is sort of letting you into their life. And it's not so much of a startup as much as it is letting them into the life as an entrepreneur and what the up and up and downs are. Because in one episode, he can have highs and lows. And I like the way he shares it. Yeah, absolutely. And there's other shows too. Like it's interesting, like Jared Easley, uh, who I think you're familiar with, right? Oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah. He has a show called Starve the Doubts, um, which is a fantastic podcast. Um, it's kind of a high, fast, high pressure, fast, or not pressure, but it's it's definitely a fast interview show. It's always enjoyable to listen to. And he's a great guy too. And it, it's just, it's nice to see so many people in the podcasting space. There's a guy named Jeff Brown out of Nashville who has a podcast called the Read to Lead podcast. Um, another great show. And in fact, um, this yeah. is interesting. Oh, Jeff and I connected. I mean, we've known each other in the community here for a long time, but we recently came up and, and put together, he's an old broadcaster and been in the space for a long, long time. And so we actually have put together, you talk about the co-working space. We've actually connected with a, a local co-working space here in Nashville called the Skillery. And, um, I'll, I'll do our shameless plug on February 24th. We're doing our own podcasting, uh, workshop called, um, start or what would we call it? Start, start podcasting and we're actually going to teach people in the community how to podcast. And we're really excited about that too. I so, just, I love when I moved to Nashville, the first thing I'm from Toronto originally, when I moved to Nashville, I went up to meetup.com and I searched for podcast groups just out of curiosity. And there was a podcast meetup group here. And that was one of the first ways I connected with the community here was, was attending some of those events. So Nashville, yeah. Nashville and San Diego seem to have like everybody you meet in Nashville and San Diego. It's like you move to town and they give you a microphone and say, go start a podcast. Yes. Yeah. I'm actually writing. I, I also write for the Tennessean newspaper here and um, I'm, I'm working on a piece right now featuring a lot of Nashville podcasters about um, about the medium and, and just about the popularity of podcasting right now and how it's uh, it's going nowhere but up. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. And the other thing I've discovered since I started this show back, the you know, I started on the last day of September. So really, for all practical purposes, you know, three months, the beginning of October. The right. other thing I've learned is 
it is a real community. There's a lot of when when my show was new, it was scoring really high on the ratings on iTunes because mm-hmm. through new and noteworthy, and also because they they give you sort of extra cred, I think, in their algorithm when you're you know a first couple of months show. And I was showing up in the careers section of of iTunes like number two, number three, number four. And it was like I was alongside these like legendary people, and it's like why why is my little podcast there? But uh, the thing I found was that other podcasters were reaching out to me. I was getting both phone calls and emails from people saying, "I listened to your show. Hey, I think I think you have potential, and here's some advice maybe on the way you want to talk to the audience." And it, it wasn't, "Hey, you're a competitor" or anything like that. It was, you know, "Welcome, welcome to the medium. I think you have something here." Let's let me give you some advice. Take it for what it's worth. And I was really surprised. I don't think, you know, in very many other, you know, segments, do you have people who reach out and say, let me help you in this industry. So I was pretty impressed with most of the people in the podcast community. You know, of course, like any community, there were a couple of jerks who I reached out to who were like, go away, kid, you bother me. But for the most part, I found, you know, the people who are podcasting, you Mm. have to you have to have a passion about something. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I mean, if, if you don't have a passion for it, then it's going to, sh- it's going to show really quickly. I mean, there are, you know, on the flip side, there are a lot of podcasts that are being created, um, these days where I'm getting a lot of, um, in- invitations to be a guest on podcasts, but, um, it's Chris Brogan has a, uh, Chris Brogan.com. He's a great guy, entrepreneur. He was a guest. Smart- he was an early guest on my show. Yeah, yeah. We've been friends for a long, long time. He co-founded PodCamp for crying out loud. So he knows a thing or two about podcasting. He wrote a blog post recently, a few months ago. It's kind of an open letter to all podcasters who want him on his show. Yeah, no, in and fact, it, it came out right before I had him on. So he sent it to me to read before I interviewed him. And it was great. <laughs> it was great. Yeah, it's a real kick in the butt. Um, but it's true. I mean, if you're going to create a podcast, it's so important to consider your guest's time and your guest's um, yeah, I mean, like like you did a great job. I mean, you know, preparing for this call and 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 we spoke ahead of time too. So so you know, it was good. I often find that you know people will reach reach out to me and invite me to be on their show, and I'll say okay, sure, and then they'll write back and say okay, um, what do you want to talk about? Right, they and, invite you. Yeah, they invite. Yeah, I've had that happen too. It's like oh, you know, what are we talking about? I'm like, well, it's your show. You tell me. Right, exactly. I'm your guest. So, I mean, you wouldn't invite, you know, someone on your late night talk show and just let, you know, <laughs> you know it's the same deal. I mean, you've got to respect people's time and things. So I think, uh, uh, yeah, I, w- I would encourage people to check out his podcast before you start asking others on your podcast. <laughs> well, and the other thing I did. Not to you, by the way. No, I, I don't mean that to you. I mean no, to your listeners. But but what I did is I, uh, I checked out what Chris said. And one of the things he said was, please keep it to time because he schedules in half hours, which means he only has about 20 minutes for the actual interview. And, you know, I sort of made sure I followed all the things that, that, that he had and, and he was prepared. I mean, he knew what the questions were. He answered, you know, he was right on. So he kept his end of the little social contract that mm-hmm. we have between host and guest too. And so I thought that was really fantastic. It was one of, it was one of the first interviews where I really started to feel like, Hey, I, I'm starting to get my feet solid here. And some of that was, you know, I had to prepare because Chris was a bigger name. I had to be ready for him before I had him on the show. Yeah. And, and the good thing too, I mean, I think, I think most people who will agree to come on your show and as you said, I mean, that's most people. Um, when most people come on your show, I think they come on knowing that you're not, you know, a professional broadcaster necessarily, or you're not on like, you know, so that, or you may be doing it solo or, or what have you. So I think there's a level of, you know, understanding if, if you have a technical glitch or something like that, or if you get a, a fact a little off or whatever. But I think, 
yeah, I think I think it's important though to be prepared as well. So. Absolutely. So, you know, talking about being being courtesy of your time, of course, because you and I have become friends, we're running long here just chatting away. So <laughs> yeah, I have no problem with that. The, the last question that I always ask people is, how do you give back to the greater good? Because what I've found is that, you know, people who are really entrepreneurial are passionate and people who are passionate, it's usually not just about the money. They really want to make an impact on their their community, on the world, on something and whether their business directly goes that way or if it's something that they do on the side to give back. It's always fascinating for me to learn from entrepreneurs about what they do to give back. So what do you do? Well, I organize a monthly mixer in Nashville called nashcocktail.com. Um, if anybody's ever coming through or, or they're here, um, I encourage them to come. It's a digital marketing, social media mixer, basically. Um, but the, the thing is, there's no cost to attend. I don't ask for any money. Um, you know, I do, you know, it's an open bar. So go and, you know, buy a couple of drinks if you want. Um, support the, the bar or the restaurant. But it's, it's just an opportunity to allow um, people to come and hang out and, and meet one another. And one thing I've learned in organizing events here and, and elsewhere is when you be, when you are or, the one that organizes events, you become the connector and you get to know everybody who attends the events over time. And that's really wonderful because from that, I can know that someone's been laid off or someone's looking for a new job. And I can also know when someone is hiring. And so I often, people often reach out to me who attend these events um, or at an event, someone will say, I'm looking to hire a, a, you know, a d web designer. Do you know anyone? And I could say, yeah, come here. And I'd introduce them right there and then to someone else. And, and hopefully things go from there. And um, from, the, from Nash Cocktail and another event I used to do, I, I don't host it now, um, called Geek Breakfast, um, which now has chapters all over the place. That's another one where, you know, we would meet for breakfast and it was really casual. Everybody's on their own dime. Um, no, no speakers or anything like that. No sponsors. Just come hang out, have breakfast, talk to the people that are sitting around you. And uh, and just by facilitating events like those, I feel that I'm I'm helping my community connect um, by co-founding. And it's been a while now, but when I co-founded PodCamp Nashville and BarCamp Nashville, those events, um, a big purpose behind doing those events was to put Nashville on the digital map, so to speak, so that people would stand up and pay attention and start and start hearing all the great stuff coming out of Nashville and, and the tech entrepreneurship space. And so just doing those events, I find, has been really rewarding, um, both, both personally and professionally. Absolutely. Well, Dave, thank you so much for being a guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. You know, I think everybody should run over and just randomly pick one episode of new business networking radio, like maybe episode 23. Ooh, that's a good I, I one. I think, I'm just picking one out of the air. I, <laughs> I think episode 23, people should go over and just listen to one of your shows. Who was your guest on episode 23? Gosh, you know, I, I would have to look that yeah, up. I don't huh. have my files open huh, right now, I know, but that's I do one. recall that number yeah. and I've been using it as a lottery number because I was so lucky, <laughs> so lucky with yes. that episode that, you know, that guest was incredible. Yeah. I figure everybody has figured out that that's the episode that I was the guest, but, <laughs> but seriously, if you go and listen to new business networking radio, you know, go over to iTunes. I'm sure you would love it if someone left you a five-star review on iTunes saying what a great show it is. But let's say that somebody really needs to get a hold of you, find more information. How do they find Dave Delaney? Well, I'm very active on Twitter. Um, you can find me at Dave Delaney on Twitter, D-E-L-A-N-E-Y. Um, the podcast is nbnradio.com, so you can find my blog and website there. 
Um, so those those are two easy ways, or just Google Dave Delaney, and I'm usually among among the top. <laughs> All Hopefully. right. Well, again, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. Thank you, Tom. It's been a pleasure. And for everybody who's listening, as always, thank you so much for tuning in and sticking with us till the end. We went a little long here because it's like we were sitting in a bar having a beer, just having a chat. So that's what that's what we like to do. And that's apparently what I do when I chat with Dave. So thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, we'll have another episode up in a couple of days. So please join us for that one. And in the meantime, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at @TomSinger. This podcast was produced in part by Podfly.net. Podfly, passion for great-sounding podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.